It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. And now, here he is, back from all of his bamboo food and quicksand, here's Dr. History. Good morning, Zeb. How, How you are doing? you? I'm good, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great. Doing good, 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 good. Now, you had some uh, homework assignments I did. from last Tuesday. And you were going to give us a complete uh, dissertation on why we should be very careful of quicksand. Quicksand is basically a super saturated sand. It's where there's. We uh, mean super saturated. Mean, it sounds with like water. A, it sounds like a cooking oil, <laughs> polyunsaturated or whatever. Well, this sand is it has so much water in it that it won't hold a person or an animal's weight. Really? And so you just sink down into it and. Uh, I mentioned last week the best way, if you are in quicksand, is just to kind of roll onto your back and try to pull one leg up, and then you kind of swim yeah, on top. Yeah, it's kind of hard to remain cool and drink a Mai Tai uh, <laughs> with a little umbrella in it when you're going down. And that could be the demise of that person that panics. <laughs> okay, well, I would be panicking. By the way, a dumb question on the quicksand. Uh how far is down? I mean, how deep are these pits? Well, according to some, it's only two, maybe only two feet deep. So oh, really? if you started sinking, you might. So go you up got here. somebody like Shaquille O'Neal, and he's almost seven and a half feet tall, and he gets into a two foot. Don't panic. Don't panic. Okay. He's okay. <laughs> okay. He can wade out of that. <laughs> All but right. obviously, it got deep enough to hold those cattle that I talked about last week. Yeah. So. Yeah. And what about the bamboo food? The bamboo Remember that food. was a question that came up when you were talking about your trip to China, and I said something about well, what did they cook in the food for bamboo shoots? And you said, I don't know. I don't know. I now know. Uh, one of the students uh, sent me an email, and what they would do is they would, as I mentioned before, they would stop the bottom end with some type of a way to plug it. And now, how thick around is the bamboo? Oh, I'm going to say three inches, four Three inches, inches in circumference? Yeah. Okay. And they would actually use meat and rice. And they'd stuff it in there? Stuff it in there and cook it. And according to the student that uh, wrote me, he said that that just gives the rice a really, really good flavor. Does it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You were supposed to sample that and bring us back the information. You know what? Knowing what I know now, I would have liked to have. Yeah, but you didn't know I, what kind of meat it was. I did, that's another big question mark. What happened to my dog? <laughs> or cat. <laughs> And she's barking in the other room. There she she is, yeah, but yeah. anyway, it, it, but they cook it. How do they cook it without having the bamboo? Well, they would put it in there for like maybe eight or ten minutes, and then they'd pull it out and put it in a bucket of water to cool it off. Oh. Then they'd put it back in the fire for eight or ten minutes, and then back into the water. Sounds like it's labor-intensive. Oh, it, she cooked that for about 45 minutes. Really? Just one of those for one table that was waiting at the restaurant. Well, I got a dumb question for you. Okay. How do they get it out of there? Okay, she took a kind of like a machete-looking thing. A machete-looking thing. Knife. Knife. <laughs> and she split it, so the top half came off. Oh. And then there was the rice and the meat. And you scooped it right out of there. Yeah. Oh, I right thought. Onto your plate. You know, here I'm sitting here with visions of a toilet plunger or something. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah, they just split it, so 
and then just put it on your plate, and away you go. I'll bet you that's a good terminology. <laughs> away, away we go. go. <laughs> All right, buddy, what are we going to talk about today? Well, if you think about the dangerous occupations in the Old West, uh, cattle drives were dangerous, uh, uh, mining was dangerous, uh, robbing banks was dangerous. But if you were on a log drive, driving logs down a river, this was a dangerous job. Okay. So what I'm going to talk about is what happened up on the Clearwater River up in northern Idaho. Now, from the early 1900s through about 1971, the Clearwater River served as an important expressway for the Potlatch Corporation to bring logs to its 310-acre mill pond, which was near Lewiston. And you, you've been up that way. You've oh, yeah, seen many Lewiston. times, yeah. yeah. But during those years, they yielded about 40 million board feet of lumber every Ooh, year. Wow. So that was a lot of logs coming down. But when they uh, constructed the Dwarshack Dam, then that ended the practice of floating logs down the Clearwater. Really? Yeah, that okay. was the end of that. So, Well, each autumn and winter, lumberjacks would work in the upper part of the North Fork of the Clearwater, uh, about 90 miles from the sawmill, cutting timber, logs, uh, you know. And they were piled in mile-long high stacks, not high, mile-long stacks uh, until the spring runoff mm-hmm. provided enough river water to flush the timber downriver. So at high snowpack year, uh, with an early warm spell, such as happened in 1938, it washed the logs to the mill pond within hours. I mean, it was like a whoosh. Like a, like just, a what? Like a whoosh. A whoosh. A whoosh, you know. A whoosh. You, you know what that is. Yeah, that's going pretty fast. <laughs> it's a lot of water. Whoosh. Moving a lot of logs yeah. in, in, our, in just a few hours. I like the sound effects. <laughs> okay. Now, during the dry years, low water caused mile-long log jams. You're out of a whoosh. I am. I don't know what to call that one. <laughs> but, uh, in fact, in the spring of 1933, it produced such conditions uh, that the drive lasted 85 days, almost three months, to get the logs to the mill. You make it sound like it's rawhide. Get the drive. Get the drive. Head those logs. Them out. Yeah, yeah. Head them out. But okay. anyway, but preparations for the drive began in March. They had three cedar rafts that were built to house the portable camp. Two rafts were used as bunkhouses, holding 16 cots in each one. The third served as the cookhouse. Now, these three rafts were tied together with the kitchen in the, in the center, and the whole thing, the floating camp, was called Wanagon. Wanagon. Or Wanagan. Wanagon, Wanagan. Look out for the whoosh. Yes, because that's, uh, that's where your food and your bed was. So the whole thing was on a raft. Right, three rafts tied oh, together. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So now the men would actually cut off their pant leg cuffs to keep them from snagging on logs or filling up with icy water. And spikes were hammered into their boot soles. They didn't go to Sears and Roebuck to buy these boots. They made their own. Yeah. So the spikes had to be checked every night through the drive because a missing or worn spike was replaced and dull ones sharpened. But properly maintained, these spikes were essential for gripping the logs and preventing tumbles into the river. Now, imagine, and i got to do a commercial break here, but I can't imagine a more dangerous job of jumping from log to log, falling off, and then you're in the middle of a mess. And you may never be seen till you got to Lewiston. Amen. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> Woo.
Okay, I got to do a break. Are you ready? Yep. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, all of this with Dr. History is brought to you every week by Minicasha Sales. Thank you, Zach, and all the spring remodeling projects. Yes, sir, Bobby. Uh, lumber packages, all the shingles, and uh, all the upgrading of your windows. Don't lose heat out the window. No, get the energy-efficient windows from Minicasha Sales. And you know what else they've got? The Tartar Farm and Ranch equipment. The very, very best. Right there. There at Minicasha Sales. You know what? They've got everything at 1321 East Main Street in Burley, right across from the airport. Number to call Zach and the crew, 878-2091, Minicasha Sales. And now, back to the logs in the water. Okay, so we're coming down the, uh, the uh, north fork of the Clearwater. Uh, now, they used an instrument called a PV hook, okay, and I'll explain that. Uh, this was de- uh, the PV hook was uh, designed in 1858 by a blacksmith by the name of Joseph PV. Mm-hmm. After watching a river crew wrestle with a log jam, the, he invented this. And the tool consisted of a real strong lever with a hinged spike, which used to roll and divert logs. Are you with me on that? Yeah. As a matter of fact, I've seen one. They're okay. kind of like a great big old hook. Yeah. yeah I see, see yep, that? Yep. 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 Mm-hmm. And so it was... Did hand- you folks see that at home? Look into your radio <laughs> right at the dial that says 1230 a.m. There. Now they know exactly what we're talking about. I bet about. you 100 people did. <laughs> but anyway, uh, you know, the men were awakened before daybreak on the first morning of the drive. The cook, the white apron figure bellows out, roll out. And as he tolls a heavy iron triangle dangling from the side of the cookhouse, the uh, rearing crew of more than 30 lumberjacks roll out from their bunks to get on their heavy woolens. You know, rolling out of a bunk is maybe bad terminology when you're on a raft. (laughs) Yeah, but so they got on their freshly oiled spiked boots, which... You know, I, I can't imagine them staying that dry. I can't really. either. But uh, anyway, they make their way to the to the mess hall where uh, some of the, they refer to them as flunkies or kitchen helpers, pile their plates high with pancakes covered with butter and molasses and thick slices of bacon, bowls uh, of cereal. Sounds pretty good. Donuts, pitchers of milk, uh, coffee, tea, everything. Because these guys are going to work all day long. They don't stop. Yeah. I mean, the logs don't just stop for lunch. You know? Holy smokes. But so they uh, finish eating and uh, head out, well, immediately after breakfast, the Wanagon, you remember what that was? Yeah, I do. The, the, the three rafts. Yeah. Uh, he casts off and heads downriver, and he's guided by some massive sweeps in the front and in the in the back. You know, the, the sweeps that uh, uh, would move the, the, the rafts left to right. I so, see. So a guy on the front, a guy on the back. Okay. So anyway, as the sky lightens, the workers take their places in uh, these ore-powered boats with pointed bows and then the men use their hooks to pry the key logs from the storage decks and logs and the logs begin to spill into the clear water and the drive is on so they're tumbling into the river and here we go here look out yes now the rearing crew trails the logs watching for strays or jams and thousands of logs are tumbling ahead uh, and it says it's so noisy you could hear it a mile away are these the guys that had to walk on the logs yes. literally the, yes. They, and then use those hooks to get them undone? Yes. Oh, wow. And two large logs are spotted, uh, may, maybe beached on a sandbar, and another log's against two boulders. And so a pair of guys would tie up to shore, and the men would jump into the calf knee-deep water. 
again, that water's cold, oh, that clear water. Yeah. It's in the spring. Uh, I mean, the sand, the icy water obviously goes into their boots. Uh, anyway, their feet are rubbed raw as they grapple with uh, all these logs. And uh, uh, anyway, uh, there is a boat following. So there are some guys that will be in a boat and some guys out uh, going along the logs. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. So the other boat follows the the timber, uh, and here's this massive migration of uh, which is beyond sight because it's it's a mile long. And suddenly there's a lull in the rumble and signaling that a jam has occurred. Uh oh! Now this is where it gets dangerous. Oh boy, look out! Yeah. So the men in the boats approach the massive pileup, and some logs are crisscrossed while others are standing clear up on end. And the river backs up behind the timber dam. And its pressure is locking this whole mass into place. Well, one boat moves ashore. Now, the ground crew will break the, the what they call the wing jam along the bank. And the oarsmen in the other boat, uh, they ease into right into the middle of the jam and try to hold it steady in the, in the current uh, while the lumberjacks jump out onto these logs. So breaking up a jam, this is really the most dangerous part of a drive. Because you can imagine the logs are creaking and groaning and the current grinds them together. Well, when the crew boss shouting orders, uh, the men scatter across the jam searching for what they call the key. The one log locked in position that is holding everything back. That's holding the whole thing. Really? The one key, log did One that. log. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as the men hop, uh, as they call them, the toothpicks, <laughs> a lot bigger than toothpicks, but some logs will roll under their feet uh, while others try to stand on the end. And they're using these PV hooks to clatter as they probe uh, for this key log. They're trying to find this where it's, where it's hung up. Holy cow. So anyway, a lumberjack, he'll shout above the racket of the jam. He says the key has been found and the crew converges on the spot to work on that log to get it loose. So screeching and drown, uh, drowns out the river as the jam finally gives away. Now, just imagine you're right in the middle of this when it gives away. No, I'm so, not imagining no. that at all. So it gives way, and the men are scattering. They're jumping. They're leaping onto other free-moving timber, uh, and others just ride uh, the whole surge downstream. I got a dumb question for okay. you, and we've only got about seven minutes left. What happens if all of a sudden these guys with the spikes in the bottom of their boot, they get stuck? <laughs> you better hope that log doesn't roll. <laughs> yeah. Because, like I say, it's a dangerous Didn't jump. you think about that? I did. Because, and again, you get on a single log and you're rolling and it's going left and right, left and right. Yeah. You're going to be doing quite a dance. And all of a sudden, one of the spikes get, takes a hold and you're, you're, in. you're in the water, out of the water, in the yeah. water, out of the water. Holy smokes. Yeah. Well, and, and one man loses his balance and falls into the 35-degree water. So he'll try to swim for his life, train, trying to stay clear of the logs that are all around him. Wow. And the ground crew, they'll row into the deep water to try to pull this guy to safety in amongst all these logs with their little boat. Holy cow. Which I imagine could get smashed 
just in an instant, you know, and putting everybody in the water. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, it's nearly an hour before the Wanagong appears snubbed ashore. And more crew members are wet to their armpits, but the only they're just shivering and uh, trying to dry, change into dry clothes before lunch. And they do get something to eat, great big old ham sandwiches and Paul Bunyan-sized slices of pie. And and, uh, and then they're back into the water again. Uh, What'd they get paid? It couldn't have been enough. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, anyway, seven miles downstream, there's another jam. Oh, okay? Now, this one is smaller than the first, but the logs are packed together, tighter than sardines. Well, the crews work from all four boats. Uh, they work for hours looking for this key log. Now, twice it's found and twisted free, only to have the logs relock as another key wedges into place. Well, by the time the, the crew gi boss gives the order to blast it, uh, as you, um, I'll explain that, everybody, you kind of have an idea of what's coming. Yeah. Dynamite. Dynamite. Dynamite is set, uh, you know, it's hitting toward evening. The explosion sends a geyser of water and splinters into the air, and the stubborn mass of timber hastens on down the river. So when they can't find that key log... Dynamite does the trick. But hopefully they gave these guys time to get back to the Wanagon. I wouldn't want to be the one lighting the fuse. Uh, no. No. So, no. anyway, by evening, the lights glowing from the Wanagon greet the crew. The men change into dry clothes before gathering for a nice evening meal. And afterwards, then again, they oil up their boots. They check the spikes. Uh, buttons are sewn on. And tear, they tear... Uh, Mend their torn clothing. You can imagine with all the limbs sticking up, you know, it has to grab their shirts and their well, pants. yeah. So, anyway, by 9 o'clock tonight, they crawl into their cots and... And uh, this is on the uh, raft. Clearwater. Yeah, yeah on, the, on the raft, yes. Yeah. Yep. They so, didn't go to shore at night to build a camp? Well, they... Yeah, they... They did pull ashore and, and tie up, but uh, then they just... Uh, stayed on the raft. One. Yeah, stay on the raft. Well, what happens if the logs got so far down river ahead of them? Well, I think as long as they were going, they were okay because they would get to, to Lewiston. But uh, it's when they got hung up in these log jams. Wow. So that's what they were watching. So they had guys in the rear. I uh, guess what I'm asking, though, is if the logs got that far ahead of them, why couldn't somebody that was of uh, ill repute, uh, wanted to be a criminal, why couldn't they steal their logs? I think they were moving fast enough that nobody would want to jump in the I river see. after them. Okay. Just, right. just my guess. Okay. But anyway, if you think about dangerous jobs, you know, wow. that, that had to be... If that were today, they wouldn't allow that because OSHA would shut them down. Yeah, too dangerous. Yeah. Too, too dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. And like I said, I don't know. I wonder what the longevity was of these guys because sooner or later, somebody's going to get hurt. Yeah. Well, and, and the Wanagon would have got shut down because it wouldn't meet standards either. No. They cook. No. You know. Hygiene. Hygiene. Yeah. <laughs> Hygiene. <laughs> no, it was, uh, this was a, how long did that last? It went about 50 years. 50 from years. From the early 1900s until about 1971. Really? Yeah, that's when they kind of quit doing that. And then they started with trucks. Yeah. Okay. But I don't know. I, I think there's probably still uh, uh, log runs in different parts of the country. Really? I, I believe there are. I didn't have a chance to look that up. But that's at least the story of that of the log drives on the Clearwater. And the guy that was on the logs was called what again? What was the title of those guys? Uh, the, the job that they did? There was some kind of a title, you said. They were called something. Uh, 
I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been a long morning. It's been a long morning. <laughs> Doctor <laughs> History brought to you by Minicasha Sales. I hate to put you on the spot. I know you do. Uh, I hope you can find your car keys. 1321 <laughs> East Main in Burley. That's, of course, Minicasha Sales. Right across from the airport. Number to call, 878-2091. Zach and the rest of the crew with everything you need at Minicasha Sales. Uh, real quick before I do a commercial break before the bottom of the hour, what are we going to talk about next week? Oh, that's another really good question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, quicksand, when you looked it up and found out, did it ever, this is stupid to say because I don't know, but did it ever dry up? I mean, did quicksand all of a sudden just disappear? Yeah. Or? Uh, in fact, the story I told last week, the, the cattle drive that was going through that got hung up in the quicksand, the next day they were headed out. They were a few miles away from the river. Another cattle drive coming behind them went right through the same exact spot. And it was gone. Had no, no quicksand. Really? So it, it's like it can just come and go overnight. That's kind of spooky. Yeah, because you follow one guy and maybe you get in the quicksand, but yeah. he didn't. So. Turn around and Ralph is gone. <laughs> He's gone. Yeah. Well, Dr. History, it's I can't tell you how much it's a treat to have you come to the studio on Tuesdays and give us more of the Old West. Thank you very much. You bet. And uh, any inspiring words before you leave? Uh, if you ever get a chance to try the bamboo food, try it. You didn't. I didn't. Okay. <laughs> God bless you. See you next week. Dr. Ken Turner, better known as Dr. History, a dear, dear friend. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.